think we need to be teaching um like, like there's another thing like babe and i like when we have disagreements he's like well, we shouldn't have disagreements with the kids i said yes we should like we're not slanging matches or anything like that but we are allowed we should be having disagreements with the kids they need to be able to see that we can disagree and still go downstairs and cook dinner together like they need to be able to know that just because we don't agree on, on something and we're having a discussion about it that doesn't necessarily mean like don't be fearful right now just to put it. on that see that phrase that everyone loves to throw around it disagree agree to disagree that's the what it is mm. It's agreeing that we don't have an agreement, but agreeing that we still do this thing called life. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. Welcome back to another episode of the Couple School Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by the lady of self-love herself, Charmaine Lawrence. How are you all? How are you? Ready? I'm good. I'm good. I got questions. Always got questions. <laughs> so, my question for this week is this. So, if you come from a broken home, are you destined to break homes? No. Are you sure? No. I mean, it's... No. I mean, it's possible, but it could be... Mm. Not destined, no. The answer is no. Um, I think basically it depends on the person. I think it depends on the person's growth. I think it depends on the person's experience. Um, and I also, um, yeah, I think it depends on the person's experience. Like I don't think it. The destined. That sounds so final. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's I, so final. I think the word destined is misplaced. But I do think that if you've, I think you experience what you've experienced if you're not careful about your experience. So I think you need to be mindful of where you've come from and understand that that's where you've come from and not necessarily where you're going to end up to stop it from being where you end up. Mm. I think a lot of people do go from broken homes and then create broken homes because actually the broken home was the norm. Yeah, for them, it's a bit like with people with that have ne- that have that have never really had money. Yeah, and they wonder why they never have money. It's because they've never had it, so they never know what to do when they've got it. Mm-hmm. So their history has told them my bank account's supposed to be either in the red or just yeah. above zero. So whenever they get something to surplus to, they spend it. Rather than if you were looking at somebody else where their history was someone that's either born around money, mm-hmm. had lots of money, or has had someone that's taught them how to save. Yeah. They're used to being in a situation where they've got surplus to the requirements but still operate within certain boundaries. When your experience tells you that this is the norm, yeah. That's what your homeostasis, that's what your brain would automatically lead you to. Yeah. And I think when you come when we take a look at this in, in respect of this particular question in terms of broken homes, if your history is a broken home, and it's particularly if it's a damaged one, it's attached with traumas and all those, all, all, all of that jazz. Yeah. If you're not mindful of that and aware of that, then you will say, well, most, or you're more likely or more susceptible to actually creating that because actually that volatile situation is where you're most comfortable. Yeah. Um, okay. 
I don't want to see a really deep conversation. I think broken home is a phrase that was used back in the day when we were so focused on nuclear families. Yeah. Um, and it was very much like, you know, the norm is mum, dad, kids, and possibly a dog. Maybe <laughs> a cat. Maybe a cat, <laughs> right? Are you a dog um, or a cat? And so if you didn't have that, it was like, oh my gosh, the home is broken yeah. kind of thing. So, um, so hopefully no one's offended by the word. We're just going to use that because that's the term oh. in terms of like what, in terms of the nuclear family. I think today, um, people see it as the norm because more people are growing up in families where there's either one parent or they're living with grandparents. Um, and um, I do think there's a likelihood to see that as being normal and therefore they don't mind creating that norm. And I think um, when I became a single mom, I was devastated more so because I felt like I'd be falling into a statistic mm -hmm. of the single mother. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, oh my gosh, my children are going to be at a disadvantage. This is going to happen. That has happened. And I felt like I did the complete opposite. I was raised by a single mom. I had the, my stepdad was around for a bit until I was, you know, I think like eight. And then it was just us and my brothers. And I used to think, I don't want this. I used to read my Mills and Boons books where it was all nuclear families. <laughs> Mills and Boons. No, wait, wait. You're going to have like to explain that. Because some, some people don't understand, won't understand the Mills and Boons reference. Okay, so back in our And you'll era. have to say it, the Stevie books <laughs> that were in the back of the library. Yeah, I read them too. The Stevie books in the back of the library. Let's not play games with it. Okay. So Mills and Boons was a series of books. Yes. Where where they were gone. They were a little bit steamy. They were a little bit. Yeah, I didn't go to They were thought provoking. Anyone that had any kind of imagination <laughs> when you they were designed for you to read a Mills and Boons book and it was the equivalent well, I wasn't even gonna say it. It was amazing, guys. Your 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 amazing. imagination became like certain free websites that people that, that people look at now. Yeah, but nice it was it was such yeah, nice like elegant and classy. Right? So mm -hmm. if I read these Not books. Some of the ones that I read. My mum anyway, had, <laughs> had a collection of these books on uh -oh. a on a cabinet and I didn't I used to love to read, so I would go and I'll just I picked it up one day and I was like, Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> I read all of them, Andrew. I let, listen, I know we're getting on topic, guys, but I've got to tell the story, right? I read all of these books. From of course you did. It's like an encyclopedia, A to Z. From 13 to 16. And back in the day, okay, back in the day, if you're our age, you will understand this. Where I lived, we used to have the library bus that used to come around. Oh, it's like a bus. Snap. Did you have the library bus? I didn't have a library bus, no. The library bus would come around and it would stop and you'd go and pick up books from the library and I never had Mills and Boons. I was just so upset because I'd have to go all the way down the road to the actual library. They didn't put them on that bus because they were giving those books to children. Because they were giving the books to children. The Mills and Boons books were designed for children. They were designed for adults. That's why your mum had it. <laughs> but my mum didn't hide them so I didn't know they were steamy. Anyway, it was... It was always based on the husband coming in from work and the wife there and she'd be sitting on the nice soft shag pile rug with a glass of red wine waiting for her husband to come in. They would make sweet love on... Sweet love. <laughs> That's the abridged version. Anyway, go on. That is what I read. That's what I remember. And I remember all of those things. And I was thinking, this is what I want for my life. 
this mm-hmm. is what my life's going to be like. And I was raised in a community of single mums. Community. All of my mum's friends, sisters, like the, all of them were single mums. And so for me, I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to have a husband and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And I, I set my life up, as you know, a planner, mm-hmm. for my life to be that way. And so when... um. When it wasn't that way, I was worried that the statistics of being a single mum was going to affect the family because there's only one income, blah, 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 blah. So then back to the question, I think it depends on what people see as norm and what they see as okay. And I think if they feel like this is normal, it's not a big deal, then it will continue. But I think if they feel like, actually, I want the best possible start or the best possible life or the best possible arrangement for my family they tend to not follow that that route but i think if they are not even looking at family in that sense they tend to just follow them follow the route in that question i use the word broken homes quite deliberately and i only put it in there to be triggering um because even if you take a look at my own my own timeline my dad died when i was what eight years old Mm -hmm. my mum never she made a choice, really, that she wasn't going to even entertain stroke date, stroke whatever. She was going to put me and my sister first. And I think we've covered this in podcasts, podcasts of, of, of old. Um, so she didn't go down that road. So so I had, it was me, my mum and sister very much for the longest of time. And I, I and I suppose for that, I made, I made this, we have these visions in our heads when we're younger. Yeah. Like, right, cool. I'm not being a sperm dagger for Southeast London. I'd seen, <laughs> I'd seen guys go about and got kids here, there, and everywhere. That I'm like, that is not going to be me. Yeah, didn't end up being that way, but not going to be me. <laughs> end up like three little mums and five children. So yeah, you know, this is it is. But you know, I think I like this question because it was. It's a question I think that everyone should ask themselves, irrespective of what situation you're in. Mm-hmm. And it's about you choosing your future rather than you accepting your your fate. Yeah. And that's really what it's really about for me. Like when I speak to people that have come from situations that they're not pleased with, happy with, or would have chosen. Yeah. The tendency is if you're not aware that your situation fits into one stroke or three of those brackets you will end up recreating that of which you dislike, disapprove of, or, or hate yeah. in your own life. And then that breeds self-hate within itself. Mm-hmm. The fact that also a bit to remember is you are the author of your own story. Yeah. You know? So you get to choose. What happened to you is what happened to you. And nine times out of ten, especially for kids, we weren't the authors of that story. We were the characters within it. You know, the adults that were around you chose what that story is. But you as an adult, when you get there, you get the pen. You get the pen and you get a blank page. And most importantly, you get to decide how many blank pages you get, provided you've still got air in your lungs. So at any point in time, you can turn the page and go, okay, cool, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to behave like that anymore. I'm not going to accept that anymore. I'm not going to have these people in my life anymore. I'm going to do something different. And the reason why I put that in that, that question in there was really to illustrate and home in on that point. That your history doesn't have to be your story. You can choose to be, you can choose to write something different for your future. But in order to do that, you have to be aware of the parts of your history that you disagree with. Yeah. Now, there are going to, even within those traumatic stories that lots of people have, and I'm not taking anything away from anything that anybody has 
experienced, there are little gems of goodness that float in there. That were signs for you to understand what might possibly be. And sometimes when the rest of our story is dark, we yeah. miss those little beacons of light because we're so focused on the dark. Mm. But if you actually took a look back over your timeline and go, okay, but well, where was a beacon of light? Where was a point in my history that I had some sort of enjoyment from? Yeah. You start to realize what how your life could be if you focused on that as opposed to the dark parts. So particularly when it comes to our relationships, we don't have to be what our parents were or our uncles were or mm. our aunts were or our neighbour who was yeah. or what have you. I mean, you're a fighting case in point and I eventually am a case in point for that mm. as well. You, know, you, you, you can choose to live how you see fit on your terms by what you choose to. And therefore, also, most importantly, and it's a lesson that I had to teach myself a few years ago, is that Sometimes we can be so focused on our past that we end up denying our future, its future. Mm. Now, I was so caught up on the loss of my dad and the pain that I had associated with that and how I felt about that happening to me. It bypassed me that I had now four to now five kids. I was actually delivering the same absence mm. to them that I experienced by fate to me, because I wasn't there. Yeah. And I had to find a way to go, okay, well, scrap that, because that's, that's not going to be their future, and change that. Yeah. But you have to be self-aware. Yeah, you definitely have to be self-aware. And I also think that as parents who are single, there's a message that they should be delivering. And I think sometimes when you're one parent family, you're so you create a, a happy story which is fake to the kids when you are barely surviving some people not all people but barely surviving so you go oh yeah everything's great da, 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 da. and so what the child sees is everything is just fantastic blah blah there's nothing wrong with me being in this situation this is great da, 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 whatever and they continue that because they don't have any other outlook the mm -hmm. outlook is what they've seen and that's been fantastic you know i remember speaking to a guy and he was basically like saying well you know my mum did it so I don't like he was his relationship was breaking down he was like well you know it's not a big deal my mum did it and my grand did it so I don't see, right. like it's not that big of a deal and I think that's because in his experience as a child it looked all rosy mum -hmm. did everything mum made sure everything was good and yep. but mum didn't deliver the message of actually how difficult it is to be sometimes on your own and you're having to do this and do that and build a career and make sure your kids are good um, and not having someone to lean on um, and sometimes you don't even they you know some moms or dads don't even have like family to lean on like back in the day it was like a whole family unit it's like, not the case anymore. <clears throat> there was no nurseries everyone was at the auntie's house or grandma's yeah. house or whatever <clears throat> now we're so much more isolated as a unit so i think sometimes we have to kind of like deliver the message that and and say actually it's really difficult it's not I, I would want you to have someone that you can lean on i would want you to have someone that you can rely on or someone that can help you do these things or someone that is quite present even if you're not with the partner that they're still quite present and mm -hmm. have a conversation and a dialogue so that that they are have access and i think those are powerful conversations to have with um, your teenagers so that they know like the power in being in relationships 
Um, and I think then their, their experiences is widened. I think sometimes people go into the world and their experience is just that and they don't know any different. And they see other like couples and the nuclear family and they're like, oh, that's great, but you know, that's not my experience. I don't have access to that. This is what I have access to. And I think they don't see it. I think if, would I, would I, would I be so hell bent on being married and so forth if I hadn't read the Mills and Boone series? I don't know. I don't know. I think you probably attribute certain other aspects <laughs> to the Mills and Boone series. I love my Mills that, and that, that, that have his experiences <coughs> well and truly after. Well, you know. I think, I think, of course he's not, <laughs> especially if he's by the book. Um, I think as parents, we, sometimes miss the impression that we have on our kids yeah and more importantly the silent lesson that we have on our kids i say to my friends all the time you know our kids are watching you when you're not watching you yeah so you have to be careful so yeah what you're delivering as the norm is what they now expect to be the norm mm-hmm. i remember i had I had this conversation with my mum a little while ago and I said to her, like, you know, I'm like, like you know you're messing me up. And I was like, she's like, what do you mean? She's like, you cost me a couple of relationships. She's like, what, what do you mean? She's like, look, my mum's house, when you walk in there, like, if there was ever an apocalypse, mm-hmm. my mum's house is the place that I go to. Mm-hmm. Reason being, because she could stop Tesco's. Like, my mum, like, has got <laughs> a fridge and a freezer, then a chest freezer, and then a backup fridge. Like, and she's got stuff in there that she doesn't know. Like, she's got <laughs> food in there that she doesn't know that she's got. Like, We'd be okay. Like, I could, I could live like I am legend in my yeah. mum's house. <laughs> Done. I even, I don't even need to go to the shop to play with the mannequins. Like, I can stay in the house. Yeah. I'm all good, you know? <laughs> but that's what I grew up with. Mm. So to me, in my head, in my juvenile head, like, fridges don't end. <laughs> they always have, when you open them, they are always stopped to the point where something falls out at you. If yeah. you ever run out of something in the fridge, then you can always run to the freezer because <laughs> there's some, there's a, like my mum froze milk and bread. That's how deep yeah, it yeah. got. Like, so when I started dating now, <laughs> yeah, and I went to girls' houses, that like, I'm, I'm opening your, your, your cupboard. I'm like, what? I was confused. Like, where's all the food? Like, I, I didn't have a correlation between mm. the money you were earning and the food you had in your fridge. Yeah. Now, my mum, my mum did an excellent, fantastic job of maintaining that bubble. Because even though we lost our dad, my dad when I was eight, my sister was, she wasn't even one at the time when he, when he went. Mm. Like, we, we didn't have everything, but we, we were always left with something. Yeah. You know, we always had an option, and that, my mum did a fantastic job at that. But because she hid the struggle so well, I didn't understand it. I was oblivious to it. So yeah. when I got let loose into the wonderful world of adulthood, I was like, what do you mean about money and food? Like, what's that? <laughs> like, food you just have. Because I'd always had that. Like, you know, even now when you go to my mum's house, you open it, like, things will st- fall out at you. Because yeah. that's how she's, she's, that's her, that's her non-negotiable. Like, her house will always have food. Mm. That's her non-negotiable. And for, for me, I started to realise that actually, you know what, it's not my non-negotiable. Because sometimes I can't afford food. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, it's, it's, I think we've got to be careful, like, with the, 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 Story that we t- we set our kids and understanding the power that that has because that's what they set as their understanding, it's yeah. what they set as their foundation moving forward. Now, which is why I've started, especially for my kids, and I think it needs to start at younger age than necessarily teenagers, mm-hmm. like to let them know, not necessarily let them know the full brutal ins and outs of it, but at least start to prep them for okay, right, cool. Relationships aren't supposed to be hunky dory. They're not all supposed yeah. to be 
great. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Sometimes we disagree. And even just that slight amendment to the Disney stroke internet truth that they pump out there might be enough to manage their expectations. So yeah. when they do connect with someone to go, okay, cool. We're two individuals. We're not supposed to get on all the time. But yeah. that's all right. You know, it doesn't mean I'm going to run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we need to be teaching. Um, like, there's another thing. Like, Babe and I, like, when we have disagreements, he's like, "Well, we shouldn't have disagreements with the kids." I said, "Yes, we should." Like, we're not slanging matches or anything like that, but we are allowed. We should be having disagreements with the kids. They need to be able to see that we can disagree and still go downstairs and cook dinner together. Like, they need to be able to know that just because we don't agree on something and we're having a discussion about it that doesn't necessarily mean like don't be fearful right now just to put on that see that phrase that everyone loves to throw around it agree to disagree that's the what it is mm. it's, it's agreeing that we don't have an agreement but agreeing that we still do this thing called life yeah it's not agree to disagree in the sense of okay well <laughs> it's safe i'm out <laughs> yeah. no, it's agreeing to still do this thing called life even though we don't agree on this particular topic you know? yeah. and I think it's a lesson that a lot of people can take into relationships like I, I spout on this all the time about compromise take a look at like people believe that compromise is an IOU yeah. you know like oh, okay I'm going to lose this time but you get me next time mm. no compromise is a point of mutual disagreement like, yeah. you're not happy I'm not happy but we're happy where, we, where we've agreed to be unhappy yeah. you know that's what true compromise is about and that's the true art of your relationships and the better you get at that, the happier that point will be. Yeah. I think the whole idea of destined to be a certain way, I, I do think that basically your experiences will will just, I think it will just naturally gu- subconsciously guide you in that space. I don't think it's a, necessarily a decision that you make that I'm going to do this. And I think sometimes you change the narrative based on what you've seen or what you've heard or what you've experienced. Like I know people that have grown up in two parent families and then end up being in a single, and now they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, blah, blah, blah. like you know, mm-hmm. they look down on. And so I think it works either way. I think you have to kind of understand that life is just life, and but you are the person that makes the decisions about how that goes and how you run your world. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? I think I think we forget that, and I think it's just as parent. I, I still go back to parents being making their children understand that being realistic about life i think we're so un- like we just don't teach them realistic like stands or viewpoints or like experiences we hide things from them do you get what i mean like i feel like we yeah, just well. hide things from them all the time like i remember yeah, I can't, my my family are jamaican my dad's side of the family and my mom and dad weren't together i'm still to my dad's house and you know when people say oh don't swear in front of the children you could ne- my dad's house. The amount of Jamaican patois swear words <clears throat> that would come out—just a normal conversation. They're not arguing; it's just a normal conversation. Mm-hmm. But as children, we knew that we are children, and we do not swear. That is it. Adults swear because they can, and it doesn't mean they're upset. It doesn't mean they're arguing. It's how they communicate. They just do not. We just do not do it as children. And so for me, it just kind of made me think, like, like if someone was like saying, "Oh, you know, if you swear, the children are going to swear." I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I didn't actually start swearing until I was literally like 16. I still don't swear in front of my mom. Do you get what I mean? Like, I don't swear in front of my, my the, the elders. I called them. <laughs> I don't swear in front of the elders. <clears throat> but it's like this idea that 
you can't do these things but you can you just have to teach children about real life like do you get what i mean like real mm. life so that they can make their informed decisions as they get older if you hide things from them oh you know everything is great blah 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 blah, blah. You know, I'm just really great. Oh, this is us in our little tiny little unit, and like, you're going to go out to the world. Of course, like they're going to just do what they know, and not what they experience. People need to need to remember that they, your fears were built on something that's going to happen to everybody in the world, including mm. your children. You, know, you can't shield someone from disappointment. You can't shield someone from being hurt. Heartbreak is part of the world, like yeah. and being let down is part of the world and as much as you don't want your children to experience that it doesn't mean that you can shield them from that mm. in fact by shielding from that what you're doing is you're preparing them for that when inevitably someone will deliver it you know? yeah. and I love the example you just used in terms about swearing in front of children I can't swear in front of my mum now but my mom never really swore in front of in front of us in front of us when we were when we were kids. But the importance of exposing life to your children in a healthy perspective mm. is best done in your own house. Yeah. You know, so they understand that disappointment is part of it, but you can get past it. You know, they understand that people are going to let you down, but you can get past it. You can do something about it. You know, that solution driven or solution orientated way of life comes from you and the more they see it is the more that they'll adopt it and think that that's the norm yeah. so when things happen to them they'll have that similar outlook for themselves yeah so going back to the question i think they are destined to follow footsteps if they don't have a real experience mm -hmm. of anything bigger or anything different to what they're experiencing at home so like i think so i think it really is about how you how you cheat, how what you allow them to see and not see. Do you know one thing my mum never used to say? We can't get that because we're broke. She never would say that. She'd be like, no, you can't have it. That was it. No, you can't have it. She didn't add the definition, which is a great thing. So, yeah, she would never be like, we're broke, so you can't have that. She would just be like, no. People just understand the power of labels, you know. When you say, <laughs> like, when you constantly say, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, I'm broke, you start to believe it. And then you make decisions based mm. on it, but yeah. based on the fact that you're broke. Then you start turning opportunities down because you're too broke to do them. Yeah. You know? You're broke, so how can you possibly do blah? And it, what you end up doing is passing that down to your children as well, because now, as far as they're concerned, that's the definition of life, because you are their first, their first, you're their first teacher. Yeah. You know? So I think you have to be very careful with the narrative that you put on there. Yes. Yes, install limitate, install barrier, like, boundaries yes teach people that they need to work hard for x y and z mm. and how to achieve stuff and you can't just cheat your way to whatever but don't make them believe that just because it's happened to you it's going to happen to them but most importantly don't believe don't teach them that through your fear of it happening to them you don't give them any exposure or therefore they limit the tools that they have yeah it all affects one I don't think she was trying to teach me anything in that moment, but what she did teach me was like, I just can't have everything. Like, why do you need to have everything? Like, yeah, but that's she what she, that's what I got from it was like, okay, why? And she goes, well, why do you need to have it? Like, what's its purpose? Yeah, but think about it, okay, let's switch the, the, the narrative. Let's say for our like she had added the line of, because we're broke. Yeah. 
I'd have been like, well, we've got no money, we can't right. do this. We so do it immediately means it's not a choice anymore. Yeah. It's something that's happened to us that prevents us from doing X. Yeah. By taking away that sentence, what she's gone is, why do you need it? Yeah. And yeah, that, but this what's one in a better frame of mind, okay, what do I actually need? Yeah, so even now when we talk, she will say, no, we didn't have no money. I don't, know, I don't know where you were going with that, but we didn't have any money. I'm like, oh, I didn't know we didn't have any money. I just thought, you said to me, why do you need it? I didn't have an explanation of why I needed it. <laughs> so, so she's like, okay, so that was it. Like, was do you it. know what I mean? Like, um, and when she could afford to, like, get us stuff we would we would have stuff do you get what i mean like it was just like she but we and we never went in a position where we thought that she didn't have any money it was very much like okay no you can't have it like there's no reason for you to have it like there's there's actually nothing that you would bring into me to let me know that you really need to have this and the thing is that that's that's (laughs) the prime example for anyone out there just wondering and maybe uh struggling with what, what with whatever it's how you frame it. Yeah. It's how you frame it dictates someone's belief or understanding of that. Now, and therefore then dictates their actions as they step into life and they have their own kids. Yeah. So I know we kind of gone into like what we should be doing as parents to to dictate or to, to, to kind of control how our children see the world so that they don't are not destined mm. to be like, you know, following the broken home thing. But I do think it starts from there. I definitely think it does start from there. But I also think that today's society, we have so much access to so much information, so much things. We should know that we are the creators of our lives. I'm very much a vision person. This is my vision. This is how I'm getting there. And every time I get somewhere, I celebrate every single step, every single step of where I get to. And I think just understanding that you create your reality I'm not saying you can just pick up a husband or pick up a wife anywhere, but you still create your reality. You can, I mean, you might can. not want to keep them. Anyway. Mean, you, can. <laughs> you can, but um, like you just, you create your destiny. You pick and choose how you want that to look. And you know, I've actually spoken to so many men that are like regretting making, never regretting their children, but regretting just having sex randomly and going, yeah, cool, let's have this baby. But actually, actually thinking about what do I want my family to look like? Like people don't actually plan how they want to run their household, how they want to run their family, how they want to, like they don't think about that. It's just all in the moment. And this girl's That's really because... hot. I'm going to just talk to this girl. Talk to this girl. This girl's hot. Boom. Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm Whoops. there, innit? I'm there, I'm there. And then you realise actually you two are like not on the same page and then you're out. So it's like what you're not visioning you're not having a vision for what you want your life and your family to look like before you cover yourself. And on that note <laughs> cover yourself. We should be sponsored note, by Jurex. And on that note <laughs> I listen I sometimes I look at my sometimes I sat in my front room and I look at my two youngest ones. <laughs> And I watch the antics that they get that way, and I look at Karen's face, and I look at my face in the mirror, and I'm like, "You're so tired." I'm like, "This could be the perfect advert for Durex right now." Because the two of us are sta- the two, each other like this. The two of us are sat there, one on the end of the sofa, one on the other, and the kids. Are, and it's almost like you can see it in your head, like a time lapse kind of video. Like the two parents, like, and the kids are just moving at 100 mile an hour, messing up and mashing up everything, da, 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 food flying all over. Like, just simple Durex. <laughs> Put you off. Anyway.
That's what's up for this week. <laughs> Please, before you leave, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. It's down here somewhere. I know I'm pointing at it. And don't forget also the infamous bell at the top that gives you notifications when we're back on next. We will be live, couple school after school, on Instagram on Tuesday, half past eight. Don't miss it. Come and disagree with me or Charmaine. See, I've changed it. Changed it. Or don't. Come share your views, your experiences, and anything else in between. We'll be back next week, Sunday, at 12 o'clock on YouTube. For the next episode of Couple of School After School, not Couple of School After School, Couple of School Podcast. In the meantime, you guys stay strong, stay focused. Peace. Yes.